this is your host Katie with Dark Humors of IT. Thanks for tuning in to another episode this week. So last week we left off with a little saying, I'm not anti-social, I'm just not user-friendly. Uh, we talked about knowing when it's time to retire your legacy software, the benefits, and the decommissioning process. And this week we're going to talk about software implementation. So once you've done some analysis and you find that you need to upgrade, how do you go about doing that? what the process of software implementation is, more on software development lifecycle, and some tips to a successful implementation and adoption. So first and foremost of software implementation is obviously the key tasks that are intertwined in the process. Software implementation is a lengthy and costly process, so there's a ton of information that we're gonna cover in today's episode. Um, of course, with all of this information, we're barely scratching the surface of the process in its entirety. So let's jump in in the seven steps to software implementation. So these steps to software implementation are planning, requirement analysis, design, development, testing, deployment, and maintenance. So planning. Conducting analysis and deep research on the product that you are trying to develop. Identification of the pros and cons of the current software, key issues that you're having with the current software in place, and feedback from end users on what needs to be improved. Requirements analysis. This is where you create your SRS, or a software requirements specification, that has all your pros, cons, must-haves, nice-to-haves, and then in addition to that, a list of features of the software, that way you have all the information necessary to bring your stakeholder to bring to your stakeholders for approval. Design. In addition to your SRS document, you should create a DDS or a design document specification, where all of your features are deeply described in nature, along with the budget, time estimates required, and essentially anything and everything else that your developers will need to hit the ground running. Development. So implementation or your development period is probably the longest process of your life cycle. It involves implementation of the new software, development to fit company needs, and requirements. Testing. Once you have finished developing and implementing the software, you can begin testing. This is where your QA will go through the code base and find bugs or errors in your environment. When issues come up, it's up to developers and or your vendor to resolve these issues before your software gets deployed or production goes live. Deployment. Once your product is ready, it can be rolled out to your live environment for use from your customers or employees. In maintenance. This is where you should be monitoring your software and making sure that it is being used. Monitoring and resolving issues is critical after going live. This is where you start to receive feedback from your users and then you make adjustments or create tasks for future projects. Now, while these steps in the software lifecycle make implementation look like a cakewalk, we all know that there's more to it. So there are many different approaches of software development lifecycle methodologies and it's important to find what best suits the company, your project size, your team size that will be handling the project. So here are 10 different methodologies that may work for you. One being waterfall, two being V, three iterative, four spiral, five agile, six scrum, seven extreme programming, eight rad, nine software prototype, and 10 the big bang. 
So the waterfall method. It's the oldest and most popular dating back to 1960. Waterfall meaning the sequential order that the tasks are being completed, made up of the same seven steps that I had mentioned earlier. So what are the pros? Pros are that documentation is on point but extremely extensive. It's easy to understand and to use, it's easy to manage, and deadlines are easily met, and it's best suited for large teams. Some cons are, that changes are very costly or can be because of the sequential process. And you don't see an immediate ROI because of the large process not being um, released out to your customers until the end. It's not suitable for end users and it's difficult to measure the progress. The V model, the improved version of the waterfall method where you are working on one phase at a time and they are still sequential. The V methodology consists of nine different SDLC phases. Requirements analysis, system design, architecture design, module design, coding, unit testing, integration testing, system testing, and acceptance testing. The pros of this method are that lots of planning is involved, Meeting deadlines is easy due to the heavy documentation and mapping. It's easy to manage, which makes it suitable for larger teams. Cons are that you can't make changes once a task is finished. This makes it a high risk model. Changing is impossible and costly. SDLC documentation is overwhelming, which means it's not suitable for smaller groups. And end users don't generally see the product until the late stages of development. Number three, the iterative model. The iterative model doesn't involve a ton of planning in the initial stages. So you can break down the whole project into small chunks, such as product builds or iterations. These iterations can be worked on at the same time. Pros of this are that it allows for slight change. It can evolve through the process. There isn't as much planning intensive work involved. Working software is released right away which makes it better for large teams and projects. Lots of management, or some of the cons, are that lots of management is involved. There's no clear image of your end product, engineers must be highly skilled, and you're more inclined to have architectural bugs and design issues. So number four, the spiral model. The spiral model is a combination of iterative and some controlled aspects of waterfall methodology. Focusing on releasing software consistently through iterations or sprints, this allows you to test each step of the process to the end. The four software development lifecycle phases of the spiral model are as follows. Identification, design, build, and evaluation. Pros of this model are that you can add extra features and elements along the way. It allows for feedback throughout the process and working software is deployed earlier. Cons of this method are strict management involvement. Whole method can be complex and complicated because there are so many moving parts, which makes it unsuitable for smaller teams. And you're still lacking that clear image of the end result. Number five, the agile method. The agile method is the most popular method that was developed by 12 engineers. Almost the complete opposite of the waterfall method, which releases software at the late stages, and Agile is consistently releasing working pieces of the software. The model consists of 12 major components. Customer satisfaction is the most important. Change is embraced, as it is inevitable. 
delivering working software frequently enough to satisfy the customer, daily cooperation between the team is essential, a motivated team is the best as it can handle all of the challenges it faces, face-to-face -face communication is highly encouraged, you can measure your progress by delivering working software, the workflow and the pace of your team is moving with and should be maintained consistently. There should be attention to technical details. It's not about the more work that's being done, but it's about the more work in the shortest amount of time. Teams can manage themselves are the best. Your team should regularly receive feedback and adapt to the changing environment. So the pros of this model are that you're consistently releasing software and getting feedback. There's no laborious documentation involved which makes it suitable for larger teams, face-to-face -face interaction and regular communication to keep everybody on the same page is highly encouraged. Cons of this method are that there are no clear pictures of the end product. Development can be totally different than it was initially planned. Team must be very experienced and a solid end date is difficult to pinpoint without thorough documentation. Number six, Scrum methodology. This is the subset of the Agile model that adheres to the 12 principles of the Agile methodology. But the framework operates in time boxes that are known as sprints. Each sprint is two to four weeks long, and once it's finished, it's deployed to production to get feedback. Leading roles are the product owner who communicates with the stakeholders and the customers to come up with a good product while they create the backlog of all the features needing to be developed. Scrum Master, who goes through the backlog to create Scrum Backlog, which is broken down into smaller tasks that can be completed within a sprint timeframe. Those tasks are called user stories. The Scrum team is the final leading role, which is cross-functional because everybody is responsible for their own assignments or user stories to complete the larger sprints. Most popular of the Agile methods out there would be the Scrum methodology. Pros of this are that it adheres to strict change and process. Accountability is at high level and each person is responsible for their tasks and assignments only. It's good for teams of 10 or less. The cons are that there's no clear image of the end result because of the consistent change. High team commitment and needing the ability to act quickly and adapt to new technology is needed. No specific time and cost estimates on the project are also another con. So number seven, extreme programming model. It consists of five major components, simplicity, team communication, customer feedback, courage, and respect. Simplicity, that everything should be done in the most simple way possible. No more tasks and features than needed. The purpose is to develop a product that is just enough to serve the market needs. Team communication. It aims for daily face-to-face -face communication to bring everybody on the same page. Effective communication is crucial and there is a ton of initial planning to get the team started so communication becomes imperative. Customer feedback. You're releasing software continuously to find the reactions to it. So after you release it and collect feedback and assess where you're at and make changes as needed. Courage. Accepting changes when they occur and adapting to new technologies when they occur. Courage to take feedback constructively and build a great solution for your market. Respect. Team members should respect and help each other. This is the key to successful product distribution by having a strong team. You stress communication and embrace new technology and change as you develop your product. 
It's good for teams of 10 or less without very specific requirements. So some of the pros of this model are that you deliver software and receive feedback constantly, which means that the customer gets more bang for their buck. Customer involvement throughout the whole process. Change is embraced. Focuses on reducing costs through the entire project, eliminating unneeded resources. Teams, some cons of this methodology. Teams need to be highly experienced and committed to performing well and quickly. Still hard to see the end product. When completed due to changes along with the way daily communication because there is a lack of documentation. Number eight, the RAD model. The RAD model is rapid application development. It's very similar to the iterative approach and consists of iterations or prototypes where each prototype is a functioning piece of the overall software. You deploy each prototype separately and collect feedback. There's no laborious documentation and it embraces the changes as they happen. There are five SDLC phases each prototype goes through on their own. One, business modeling. Two, data modeling three, process modeling, four, coding, and five, testing. The pros of this model are stressing developing reusable prototypes, delivering each prototype to the market and constantly collecting feedback. Measuring progress is easier by delivering prototypes consistently. It works well with teams around eight people. Some cons of this method are that it requires highly skilled professional professionals cannot be broken into smaller chunks than the prototype. Management is heavily involved and it requires constant customer involvement as well. Number nine, the software prototype model. This one is very similar to the last methodology, only there are building prototypes that are just enough. This is usually due to limited resources, so you can deliver items rapidly and collect feedback quickly for future enhancement. Pros are that it's developed quickly, Continuous development and feedback are another pro, and it reduces expenses and flaws. Cons are that it's hard to manage, highly skilled developers are needed, and it lacks in quality because of the lack of detail. And our final, number 10, the Big Bang model. The Big Bang model works for very small projects that you just want to get into without doing any initial planning. So small teams of five working on projects no longer than a month is ideal. It also works best when the customer did not give specifics or instructions and does not know what the end product should look like. Pros of this model are that it's most simple of all the methods. There's no planning, it's very flexible, and it's great for new developers on the team. Cons are that it can be high risk developing something that is completely different than the customer may have led on to or desires due to lack of requirements initially, and it does not work well for complex and big projects. Whew. All right, so I'm hoping that you guys are all still with me. Those were the 10 most common software development life cycles that could be used for your upcoming implementation. Now that we know how to implement the software and we've identified which approach works best for us, let's review some tips on a, on a successful implementation. Here are some tips from my experience that I find to be extremely important, no matter your team size, and they are severely overlooked when implementing new software. There is no one-size-fits-all method when it comes to implementation. This is why most companies prefer a waterfall agile hybrid mix. It can be 
It can greatly vary depending on your team size, expectations, the size of your project, and the requirements being given. Find your champions. Leverage people who are excited and the early adopters to build the momentum of the team for the new software coming. Building momentum will get the whole team excited and advocate that the upcoming change is a good thing. Creating a shared understanding. If you cannot explain or compel why employees should use this new software, they won't adopt the idea of moving over. Helping the champions understand how you evaluated other tools and why this is the best option so they can share their opinions with the team is important. Incorporating new tools and features in your team meetings to get people excited. Share your problems with the current system and how the new ones will solve to make life a little easier for the employees. Hold training events. This is an effective way to train and encourage dialogue concerning your new implementation. It takes time for the apprentice, apprentice to become a journeyman. So look at training as an investment rather than an expense. It takes time and effort to learn a new software and your training should reflect that. Move important content to the new software. To increase adoption, make important information only accessible in the new tool and creating a hard deadline for a cutover. To make this successful, you need to increase communication, training, and pilots to ensure that this is successful. Force, forcefully making your employees cut over will cause for high frustration and low adoption. Spending time up front cleaning your data and reviewing current processes and how they can be viewed and changed. Now is the time to clean house like you've been meaning to. Bad data is bad data. So take the time to incorporate it into implementation and your implementation schedule to make sure that your data is clean going into the new application. Same goes for processes and workflows. Those same hiccups in the workflows will not go away in the new application without your modification. Mandating change from the top down. This is super vital because for almost all employees, if they see upper leadership not buying into this new application, they're gonna think that they don't need to either. Lead by example is very fitting for this instance. If you do not care about the new application, they won't either. Set good expectations for your employees. I find these tips to be very helpful and I hope you do as well. Most times a company focuses too much on the implementation process and initial research, planning, and the budget, and they lose sight of the key factors while you are in the implementation process. The tips I mentioned are key factors for success after an implementation, which is your end goal and should be the ultimate focus. Unfortunately, it usually isn't. So this brings me up to my next topic, adoption. So throughout your rollout, you're gonna run into different types of adoption users. These different types of users are given a particular name and they also have specific characteristics to identifying their types. Adopting certain methodology for change is also imperative when introducing new software. If you don't have a similar methodology in place for the change currently, new software can be the perfect time to introduce a change model. Here is an example of a change model. Number one, awareness, ensure the recognition of your application, desire, um, incentivize both the benefit and consequence, knowledge, know how to create and maintain change, ability, close skill gaps and restrict change, 
Reinforcement means measuring and rewarding the wins. Even with this example methodology in place, you're still going to have groups of user types when it comes to software adoption. It's very important that you can identify these groups, perhaps specific people that you know that may fall into those groups, and get ahead of personalized messaging and communication with those people. Finding common pain points they have and explaining how you solve them in relation to their job duties is a great way to get people excited and on board with the changes early on. So here are the different user types. Innovators. These are people who love to dig in and see what makes a software tick. Finding out what it can do and how to incorporate or improve current workflows into the system. Early adopters. These users will try the software the faster than the rest. These are your champions. This group is crucial to the success of adoption because you rely on them to get others excited. Early majority. These users usually get into the system after everything has been vetted out. They are those who need to be in the system regularly and want to know how this new software improves their workflows and processes and why they should like it before they fully buy in. The late majority. These users will buy in when they need to or when they don't have an option. They will use the software until they have no other options. Laggards. They tend to be uncomfortable with learning and using new software, and the only way to get them to adapt is usually by force or eliminating or retiring your old legacy applications. So identifying who these people may be or which categories they fall into is going to help you make an action plan that's geared for successful adoption. Creating generic messaging and communication can leave those certain groups feeling more uncertain and resistant to change. So it's good to get ahead of the curve and be aware of the challenges that you're going to face down the road and how to help your employees through it. So this is all the time that we have for today. Um, like I said, we covered a ton of information in a very short amount of time. And while all of the information that I did cover is still barely scratching the surface of the overwhelming process known as software implementation. So I know that I can put some lengthy content out there for you guys. So for those who would like some of the more quick snippets of what we talked about today, definitely check out my blog at consolatex.com slash blogs. Um, if you have any questions or if you're on the fence of upgrading, please reach out and shoot me an email at darkhumorsofit at gmail.com and let's talk about it. Uh, so last week, of course, I left off with a saying. Today I'm going to leave off with a saying too. It's uh, my Wi-Fi suddenly stopped working and then I realized that my neighbors had not paid the bill. How irresponsible people are. So thanks so much for tuning in this week, you guys. Um, Till next week.